Come on, can we give it up for Jesus one more time in this place? You know, I want to honor all the mothers in this place. You guys are truly the heroes of the house. And, you know, I want to take time to say something personal to Lisa. And I got to share this with her, but one of the most grateful things that I am for Lisa in my life, and she's an amazing wife, um, but one of the things that I'm the most grateful for is that when you're part of a blended family, you always want somebody to come into your kids' lives. They're going to be able to be an example and lead and help you raise those children. And for me, I genuinely mean this. Her and I roast each other all the time, so sometimes we don't know if we're serious or not. <laughs> and today I kind of had to tell her, baby, I'm, I'm not joking at all. I'm not exaggerating. This is not just, you know, words of affirmation or anything like that. Like, I mean this from the bottom of my heart that I am so, one of the greatest things I'm grateful for you, Lisa, is for being the spiritual mother and example to my two kids, uh, to Bishop and Selah. And I really mean this. I don't think that they would be the kids that they are today if it wasn't for you. Does somebody cut onions here or something? <laughs> the heck? Ah, all right, we are gonna jump into a series um, entitled Habits of Grace. Everybody shout Habits of Grace. Come on, we got a loud church today. I said Habits of Grace. Listen, the louder you are, the quicker I am, the faster we can go. So I said Habits of Grace. Come on. Huh? Shout outs to my mother who raised four amazing boys. Sheesh. Titus chapter 2, this is our series introduction verse, and I want you to open up your Bibles to Titus chapter 2, verse 1 and 2, and uh, I'm excited about this series, like this is one of the series that I'm extremely excited about, and I'm going to encourage you to take notes throughout these next four weeks. Verse 11 of chapter 2, it says, for God has revealed his grace for the salvation of all people. Now look what verse 12 says. It says, that grace. Someone shout that grace. It says, that grace. The grace that was revealed for the salvation of all people. That grace instructs us. That grace teaches us. That grace trains us. That grace, it trains us to do what? To give up ungodly living and worldly passions. That grace, someone shout that grace. That grace trains us to live self-controlled lives. That grace teaches us how to live upright and godly lives in this world. In other words, the grace of God is not just a grace that saves, it's a grace that sanctifies. Ooh. See, it's not a grace that's just a picture of redemption, it's a picture of transformation. It, the grace of God is not just a grace that saves you and rescues you from sin. It's a grace that disciplines you and a grace that instructs you and leads you to live in righteousness. Can someone shout amen? And so it's a grace. I, I like to say it this way, that the grace of God is not just a I get to go to heaven kind of grace. It's a I'm ready to unlock heaven on earth kind of, kind of grace. If you believe that in this place, give God a shout in this room. So I just want to look into the camera real quick. For the next four weeks, I want you to tune in. And I want to make sure that you make this a priority for the next four weeks. Because in the next four weeks, we are going to introduce four habits that are going to revitalize your relationship with God. If you've ever felt 
like your relationship with God has gone stagnant, has gone stale. Have you, if you've ever felt like you've been stuck in your relationship with God, I want to encourage you to tune in for the next four weeks. Listen to me. I promise you that this series is going to revitalize your life. And not only your life, it's going to revitalize your relationship with people. If you believe that in this place, give God a shout of praise. And so I thought it was perfect that on Mother's Day, the first habit that we have. Anybody ever heard of a praying mother? Do we got any praying mothers in the house? Come on, somebody. It's the habit of prayer. Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. It says, never stop praying. Devote yourselves to prayer, another translation says. And I like this, the, the way the easy translation says. It says, be ready for anything by praying and being thankful. Be ready. In other words, if you've ever felt unprepared, can I tell you, you can be ready for anything by prayer and being thankful. Maybe you got a negative report and you thought that you were unprepared. Can I tell you right now what that preparation is? That you can be prepared through prayer and thanksgiving. Maybe you feel like you need to study for a test and you don't know how you're going to pass. Can I tell you how you can be ready and begin to be prepared as something as what may seem insignificant as that, guess what? You can pray and be thankful, and that's how you are ready for anything. It is a secret weapon. My title to today's message is simply this, developing a better way to pray. Have you ever felt that? Like, I just, my prayer need to get better, right? And so my title is this, developing a better way to pray. So Heavenly Father, we just thank you for these moments that we have together. And I just pray, Lord God, that we embrace all that you have to share with your church today, in person and online. I pray, Lord, that this word may be much greater than information, but it may be a word of transformation that completely changes our heart. Lord, we... Many of us may feel stuck, may feel like our relationship may be stagnant with you, but I believe today, today you're going to refresh and revitalize your people in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, give God a shout of praise in this room. Come on, give it to him strong in this place. Um, I, I like to ask this question. I think it's a perfect question to ask, but do we have any natural overprotectors in the house? Any like natural overprotector? Javi, you a natural overprotector? Yeah, like I like to think that I am the protector of my home. I like to think because, because here's the truth. I like to think that I am the protector of my home. And recently, me and Bishop are having a conversation because the truth is that Bishop is now six foot one. See, I like to think I'm the protector of my home, but, but Bishop started doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And he's been doing it for four months, and I'm starting to realize that he is moving rather quickly. And so I'm looking at myself, and I had to have a conversation with him. And so I pulled him to the side, and I said, Bishop, I got to tell you something. And he said, what, Dad? I said, listen, it's only a matter of time that I can't tap you out anymore. It's only a matter of time where I can't submit you anymore. He goes, that's true. I love the humility. He goes, I said, Bishop, but when you become a purple belt, Bishop, I'm sorry. I'm going to have to pass the baton to you as the protector of the home. I said, that means that if someone breaks in, I'm going to stay asleep and you're going to the front door. Come on, somebody. And I love that because I'm having this conversation with Bishop and it just, mind you, it's a father-son conversation. And out of nowhere, some lady that I'm not going to mention by name because it's Mother's Day, she jumps and inserts herself in the conversation. She says, as long as I'm in this house... I am the protector. You can have an orange bell, a purple bell, a black and blue bell, but as long as I am in this house, I'm the protector. To which I was taking 130 pound behind, soaking wet, thin frame behind. You ain't protecting nobody out of here. Come on. I'm just saying, and I, and I gotta, I, I'm, I'm just being honest. The reason that I feel like I'm the protector, I'm just, I'm just being honest. I'm not just, I'm being honest. I, the reason I think I'm the protector of the home is because I have qualifications. I am six foot one. With these shoes, six foot two. 
I am 250 pounds of pure iron. That wasn't that funny. 250 pounds. Guess what? I'm telling you, I've been practicing Brazilian jiu-jitsu for four years. Four years I've been practicing Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I have a blue belt that says that I can whoop your butt. Can I show that? I got my blue belt. In four years, I got my blue belt. That, this is why I'm qualified to be the protect. Can I show you another one? I competed regionally, and I didn't get third place. I didn't get second place. Your pastor, come on, somebody. Oh, glory to God. No glory to myself. Come on. I got the gold, somebody. I came back with the gold. I said, baby, you well protected. Those are my qualifications. These are Lisa's qualifications. She's from Brooklyn. So, so I'm just, I'm just, I think we might be even on this one. So, so me and Bishop are just really having this conversation about, about him being the protector eventually because the truth is that I'm not going to be able to protect him. Soon enough, he's going to be tapping me out. I, I, I can't even imagine that day. I'm not going to come to church for a month. But, but, but we were having this conversation about who the protector is because he's been practicing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu for four months. But in four months, he's like just accelerated in growth. Now, I've been practicing for four years. And you think that that's a long time unless you dive in a little deeper. True confessions, I've been practicing for four years straight. True confessions, I've been practicing. If you really, really, really want to take the magnifying glass and look into my practice, there's a difference between my practice and Bishop's practice. The truth is that I've been practicing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu once a week for four years. Don't feel bad for me, that's okay. Bishop has been practicing five times a week for four months. And I started doing the math. I was like, hold on a second. I started doing the math. In four years, you could say I've been practicing for four years, but there's a difference between my practice and Bishop's practice. See, I've been practicing for four years, but it's actually been once a week for four years. And I did the math and it's about two, and by the way, that's four years straight that not missing a week. I've missed at least 10, come on somebody. So I'm at least under 200. So in a, in a span of four years, I've actually practiced maybe less than 200 times. In the span of four months, Bishop has done 80 times. 80 times going five times a week. And I started realizing, oh, snap. He's literally done almost 50% of what it took me four years to do. Watch this, watch this. In a year's time... What it took me four years to accomplish and four years to gain in terms of hours put in, Bishop would have done in, in a year. In a year, he would have done 260 times. In other words, he would have done at least 25 to 40% more than what I've done in four years. Can I tell you why? See, because I was doing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu as a hobby. Bishop is doing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu as a habit. See, in about a year's time, Bishop would have done 1,040 practices. Why? Because what I was doing occasionally, Bishop has been doing consistently. What I've been doing de vez en cuando, Bishop has been doing regularly and continuously, which reminds me of a quote that Craig Rochelle shares. He says, successful people do consistently what other people do occasionally. Mike Murdoch says it this way. He says, hey, what you do daily determines who you become permanently. Can I just tell you that I, our relationship with God was never meant to be an occasional relationship. Our relationship with God was never meant to be a once a week kind of relationship. And I think that sometimes we feel stale, stuck, stuck, and stale. This is why. Because we're doing occasionally what can only be developed by being consistent. And I think sometimes we're like, God, I'm frustrated. God, I can't believe that. Like, I've been, I've been serving you. Why is it that I don't feel like I'm developing? Why is it that I don't feel like I'm growing? Why is it that I look at, I, I look at Joe coming in through the door and it seems like he's growing and it seems like he's serving and it seems like he got it all together and it seems like he's on fire for Jesus. Like, God, why is it that I'm not like that? Could it be that he is doing consistently what you are doing occasionally?
And sometimes I, I think I love the song, I'm going to wait on you. Dun, 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 dun. I'm going to wait on you. But I think God has a sense of humor. Sometimes I think we sing that to God and God's like, I'm just waiting on you to follow my principles. So you can become the person that's ready for the promise. I'm just really waiting on you. Come on, somebody. It wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't Abraham waiting on God. It was God waiting on Abraham. See, the key to growth and development is not found in what you do sometimes, in what you do time to time. It's not what you do every now and then. It's not found in what you do occasionally. It's found in what you do consistently, persistently, and frequently. And this series is how we're going to learn how to practice these habits that will allow us to get the most enjoyment out of our relationship with God. And it's not going to be out of duty. It's not going to be out of obligation. It's going to be out of delight. It's not just so that we can try to get God to manipulate him to do something. It's so that we can open up our hearts and say, God, mold me and do with me as you please. If you believe that in this place, give God a shout in this room. So, so, so like... I think that there's a forgotten aspect of grace. The reason that we call this series the habits of grace is because oftentimes there is a forgotten aspect of the grace of God. One of the beautiful privileges that we have as a church is that I believe that we are leading the race when it comes to the grace message in Staten Island, New York. I really believe that. I love Christ Uncensored because Christ Uncensored preaches the grace of God unadulterated, unhindered, unfiltered, nice and raw, just the way God intended it to be proclaimed. But I also think, and one of the, the beauties of that is that we preach the complete grace of God because there is a forgotten aspect to the grace of God, and it's the one that's found in Titus, which is that grace is a trainer. It says, for God has revealed, verse 11... His grace for salvation of all people. That grace, someone shout that grace. That grace is the grace that teaches you how to deny ungodliness. That grace that was revealed for salvation is the grace that teaches you how to deny worldly passions. That is the same grace that teaches you how to be self-disciplined, upright, and walk in godly living in this world. Here's what we need to understand about the grace of God, that the grace of God from start to finish, you are completely saturated in it. This is what you need to understand. See, your life as a believer, oftentimes we think the grace of God is just this. Oh, God saved me from my sins and forgave me. And it just stops there. And that is the essence of the grace of God. How many are grateful that God has forgiven your sins, past, present, future? There is nothing that you can do to earn it, deserve it. There's nothing that you can do to add to it because the grace of God is complete all by itself without you. That is the grace of God. But it doesn't just stop at the forgiveness of sins. See, the grace of God from start to finish encompasses or, or completely grabs or you are completely saturated in the grace of God. See, according to the Bible, it says that we are chosen by grace, Romans 1. It says that we are forgiven by grace, Ephesians 1. We receive the Holy Spirit by grace, Acts chapter 2. We are justified by grace, Ephesians 2. We are made righteous by grace, Romans 5. From start to finish, the totality of our relationship with God is by grace and grace alone. It's a grace that saves, but it's also a grace that sanctifies. So it's a grace, the Bible says, that it was revealed to all men. It's a grace that was revealed, which means that grace was revealed in the person of Jesus, that there were countless, countless prophets who came and prophesied about the coming of grace, which is in the person of Jesus. It says that grace appeared. Do you know something about grace? That grace is, is a person. His name is Jesus Christ. That's what grace is. And grace appeared. Uh, uh, he, 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 he gave of himself. He, he left the throne of heaven so that he, become, he can become human. And in, in that, he was born of a virgin. And he lived a perfect, sinless life. And then he voluntarily gave up himself to die on the cross for your sins, for my sins, past, present, and future sins. Every single one of your sins has been blotted, has been erased, has been distinguished, 
extinguished because Jesus Christ came and he lived a life that you could not live, died the death that you, that you should have died, and he gave it to you for free. You can't add a thing to it. Before you ever realized that grace was anything, grace had already done everything. Before you ever took notice that grace was in the building, grace had already been established. But how does that connect with our habits? See, I love uh, in a book that David Mathis has, he says, he says, see, the grace of God is complete and it's been given to you as a gift. How many would agree that nobody in this place contributed to producing the water that comes out of the faucet in their sink? Unless you're Kelby. Kelby probably did. How many, right? You didn't set up the sewer. You didn't set up, you didn't dig the dirt. You didn't run the pipes. You didn't bring the, the plumbing system to your home. But the way you're able to release what's been made available to you is by opening the faucet. See, and that's what habits of grace is. It's turning on and opening the faucet to release what God has freely given to you. See, and oftentimes the reason that what unlocks, what opens the faucet is, is the habits that we practice in our lives. See, and God has made all this grace available to us. And I, and I just, as I was preparing this message, I just began to see an army of people that were opening up the faucet of grace in their life. That they weren't just going to accept the grace of God and just take the grace of God for themselves, but they were going to be conduits so that the grace of God would flow in their life. And I really believe that in the next four weeks, as we begin to practice these habits, we're going to be opening up the faucet and unlocking grace into this world, unlocking peace into this world, unlocking love into this world, unlocking forgiveness into this world. It is unlocking it through our habits. And here's the first habit I want to give us. It's the habit of prayer. Everybody shout prayer. Can I just tell you that there is nothing that we can do that could ever replace what prayer represents in the life of a child of God. I know, you know, there's some things that you could kind of like replace. There's some things you could replace. Don't look at the person next to you. How many of you know that's something that you could replace? But there are some things that you cannot replace. Can I tell you that about prayer? That there is something about prayer that you can never replace because the way your lungs need air, your soul needs prayer. I want to ask you this question. What if we saw prayer as less of a command to follow and more of an invitation to commune with God? I want you to write that down. If you're watching online, I want you to write this down in your notes. What if we saw prayer as less of a command to follow and more of an invitation to commune with God. In Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, it says, look what it says. It says, never stop praying. It says, devote yourselves to prayer. Be ready for anything by being thankful. See, I want to help you today because oftentimes we read a verse like this and we immediately go into command mode. Like, never stop praying. Pray without ceasing. Pray always. And I looked it up in the Greek. Guess what? Always means, you know what? Todo el tiempo. Yeah. It means always. And so if you read that as a command, you'll immediately start thinking, man, I can never do this. But if what, what if we began to see prayer not as a command to follow, but really as a connection and communion with God? See, you, you see this all, all through the scriptures that, that, that prayer is not this casual experience. Prayer is actually a consistent practice. Have you ever felt like you don't pray enough? Oh, that's just me. Five people. We're the only ones. Everybody's okay. Right? You ever felt like, man, I, I just don't, I feel like I could get better in my prayer life. I need to talk to God more. And oftentimes we like, we, we just got to, like, all right, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. Yeah, we might be looking at it as a command when it's just supposed to be a connection to the Father. When you hear a verse like, pray without ceasing, when you see a verse like that, oftentimes you say, man, you know how many times I get asked as a pastor, how, is, how in the world are you supposed to do that? 
How, are you supp- how am I supposed to pray all the time? And you see it throughout the scripture. Scripture shows us that prayer was never meant to be an occasional experience. You see it in the scripture that prayer was a consistent practice. Jesus never said, if you pray. He said, when you pray. It was already assumed that if you are a follower of Jesus, that you were in communion with him, that you were praying. But not as a command, but as a connection. We see this in Acts chapter 2. Look what it says. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper. See, eating is biblical. Including the Lord's Supper and to... Yeah. First Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 17. It says, pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks for this is the will of God. Acts chapter 12 verse 5 it says, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. Philippians chapter 2 verse 6 and 7 it says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. I I quickly begin to realize that prayer was always meant to be a consistent practice, but not a practice that determines your faithfulness to God. It's a practice that emanates from God's desire to fellowship with you. So Paul, Luke, and James are like, hey, I want you to pray without season, not because God commands it, but because God wants to connect with you. Not because uh, God demands it, but because God wants to commune with you. Why should you pray? Because God wants to be invited in your daily, ordinary, every single minute of the moment of the day, and in your daily routine affairs of your life. He wants you to invite him into your life. I love weekend getaway. Anybody love a weekend getaway? I love weekend getaways. I am a different human being on vacation. Come on, somebody. Lisa is a different human being on vacation. I never see that girl feel herself. She never feel herself until we're on vacation. And don't you just love a weekend getaway? You're in the hotel motel holiday no stop that (laughs) I love the weekend getaways because you are in complete vacation mode you are in complete relaxed mode you are chilling I mean room service I mean towels on the floor keep the towels coming come on somebody somebody you be putting them in your bag cut that out man (laughs) I love vacation Mode. I love weekend getaways, but can I tell you a little secret? Even though Lisa and I enjoy the weekend getaway, can I tell you a little secret? That is not what makes our marriage. See, what makes our marriage is not the weekend getaways, even though those can be nourishing and they can be supplemental. What makes our marriage is our everyday consistent connection, trying to get to know each other better, trying to communicate better, getting to know her heart and her knowing my heart, getting to know her likes and her knowing my likes. It's communion with one another. One another is connecting with one another. Can I tell you a little secret? God doesn't just want to be your weekend getaway. Woo! God doesn't just want to be your, 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 your Sunday destination regular experience. God doesn't just want to be your once a week from time to time occasional experience. He'll take that if you give it to him. But what God really wants in your life, he wants a covenantal, everyday, regular, consistent, perpetual relationship with you on a regular basis. He doesn't just want to be a weekend getaway. He, wants to, he doesn't want to be your Airbnb. He wants to be your address where he can make his home in your life and he can live and dwell, take off his jacket and say, I'm here to stay, baby. If you believe that in this place, give God a shout. But God doesn't want to be your weekend getaway. He wants to be your everyday, consistent experience. He wants to be one with you. And I want to tell you, like, you can never be in communion with someone with inconsistent connection. You can never be in communion with someone with inconsistent connection. And all the Gen Zs know exactly what I mean when you have inconsistent Wi-Fi. Your life is miserable when you have inconsistent Wi-Fi. I love, I love Gen Z because they walk in like Wi-Fi is owed to them. Why is the Wi-Fi not working here? Who gave you permission 
to jump in my Wi-Fi. Oh, somebody comes in. Isn't it like automatic now? Everybody's like, they just plug their charger in your electricity. Excuse me? Back in the day, you get whooped for that. Don't be using up my electricity. Everybody knows. I'm not married to... Come on, somebody. So, so, so I want to ask you another question. How can I be more intentional about connecting with God through prayer? And so I just want to give you real practical handles because I, I think sometimes we could be very inspirational and many of us can walk out this place and be excited about praying and then still not to know and still not know how to put it into practice. Like, yes, Pastor Rowe, that's, that's right. I'm going to connect with God. You go home. You don't know what to do. So I just want to give you real practical handles in order for you to allow the spirit of grace to develop these habits in your life. So these are practical keys to become consistent in your prayer life. Here's the first thing. Write this down. Number one, choose a time and a place. This is so important. I know sometimes it's like, oh, we're just going to pray on the women. We're just going to pray, you know, we'll pray uh, spontaneously. I think praying spontaneously is amazing. But I think also what can make spontaneous prayer even better is that you would have a specific time and place for prayer. Can Can I suggest, can I suggest to you, maybe you would take the first 15 minutes of your day and say, I'm going to devote these 15 minutes to God. Maybe you could take the first 15 minutes of your day and you say, you know what, God, I'm going to dedicate this time. I'm going to wake up 15 minutes earlier from my normal routine time, and I'm going to put you first in my life, and I'm going to devote these 15 minutes. I'm going to take a time, and I'm going to take a place. Can I suggest to you, sometimes you need to get away from everybody and be in a secluded place and have a time with just you and daddy. Sometimes I got to lock myself in the toilet. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm saying? But nobody respects. Lisa be opening with the knife. What's going on here? What you doing here so long? I'm over here. Like, what the? I'm praying. Okay, just checking. Welcome to my life. And so you have to have a time and a place of prayer. Here's the second thing. Eliminate distractions. See, the moment you decide that you're going to put God first and you're going to, make, you're going to allow the grace of God to produce this habit in you, what first thing's going to happen is the moment you say, dear father, it's going to be like bling, 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 and your phone is going to go off. And you can't miss what's going on on social media because you know. And it's going to distract you. So you got to eliminate distractions. It's powerful what a focused mind can do. It's powerful when you say, I'm going to take 15 minutes and I'm going to say no to any text messages that come my way. Can I tell you, I've decided in my heart that I'm not going to respond to any text messages unless I've already had time with Abba Father. And so what if we took 15 minutes and we, we, we said, this is going to be my time. This is going to be my place. I'm going to be in this corner at this side of the room, just me and daddy. And I'm going to, dis- I'm going to eliminate all distractions. And here's the second, third thing I want to give you. Include the word of God. Include the word of God. You want to see your prayer life be revitalized? Let me tell you, you begin to include the word of God. So maybe you, you heard a message here in, on a Sunday or maybe you went to Matrix and you got a verse Write that verse down and say, I'm going to include that verse in my prayer time and in my devotional time with the Lord. And the last thing is have a prayer guide and a prayer list. I know sometimes you might like, but, you know, my prayer life with Jesus should be organic and amazing. And I think that's awesome. But can I tell you, see, intentionality doesn't mean that it's absent from organic love. In fact, because I love Lisa, I'm more intentional about my time with her. Because oftentimes Lisa and I get so busy and we make time for everyone else that we forget that we need to make time for ourselves. And guess what? It doesn't come organically all the time. 
There are times that it does, but we make intentional time that we're going to spend with each other. Why? Because we value our relationship and our connection with one another. And so you need to have a prayer guide and a prayer list. A prayer list of people you're praying for and a prayer list of people you're praying against. No, I'm just joking. You can erase that. I know you guys, some of you guys have that. Like, right now, Lord. Federico, Lord, I just cast. And so, and so, and so. And so you want to be able to designate a time, designate a place, eliminate distractions. Come on, is this helping somebody today? Come on. But you're still like, okay, I know what to do when I go pray, but still, how do I pray? I want to give you three practical words that will allow you to get the most out of your prayer life. And and don't get me wrong, if you have your own way, consistent way to pray, that works for you, rock with it. But I'm just sharing with you what's been helpful for me throughout these years. These three words are what I use consistently during my time of prayer. I take a portion of my day, and it's secluded time. It's time that it's on my own, and I use this method to pray. And the first word is this, adore. Everybody shout adore. Adore. Say adoration. adoration. Imagine you were to start your prayer not with jumping into petition, but jumping into proclamation of God's goodness. Woo! Like, so, so maybe you're here, you're like, Pastor, I don't know how to pray. You're in good company because neither did Jesus' disciples. They were like, I, I do something, but what I do doesn't produce what you do. So somebody got to teach me how to pray. Lord, would you teach me how to pray? Because I don't, what I do is not the same thing you do. And what they realize is that Jesus made a habit about prayer. But not because Jesus was trying to follow a command. It's because Jesus was trying to connect with the Abba. He was trying to connect with Abba Father. And so they're like, hey, we don't pray like that. Can you teach us how to pray? Can I show you how Jesus did it? Look what he says. They said, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. Jesus says, when you pray, say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Our Father, this was revolutionized. This was, a, this was a revolutionary term to correspond with the God of the universe as Father. I wonder if you began your prayer life not with, God, I need you to do this for me. God, I need you to make this happen. God, I'm believing for this. No, 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 no. Before all that, I'm not saying that there's no room for that. I'm just saying, I wonder if you started your prayer with who God is. God, you're amazing. God, I thank you. This is the time that you show, you express your gratitude unto the Father. God, I thank you, Lord God, that you saved me. God, I thank you that you are God all by yourself. God, I thank you, Lord God, that a thousand may fall to my left and ten thousand at my right, but none will slay me. I thank you, God, that you are provider. I thank you, God, that you are the God of the universe, yet you love me so intimately. God, I thank you because you are so amazing. You are all loving, that you are all peaceful, that you are all generous. God, I thank you for who you are. I wonder if you spend the first five minutes of your prayer life just without, try it. Try it. Because it would start showing us the heart of our prayer if we just jump into petition. And can I tell you, God is so good. God is so good that he'll answer your petition. He's amazing. But I wonder what it would do to you. See, because sometimes we think that Prayer is trying to manipulate God. You don't realize that prayer is God's way of trying to mold you. And so if you began the first five minutes, but then you went into what I call agreement. Someone shout agreement. Javi, you could come. Just Javi, if you could come and um, play the keys. Javi Suluwana, give it up for Javi. When you come in agreement in prayer... You confess what God has done. Oh, this is powerful. Again, I want to paint the picture. You start your day. You got to wake up at 9 in the morning. Anthony wakes up at 4 in the morning. I'm not a Christian at 4 in the morning. (laughs) But you wake up at 9 in the morning, 15 minutes before you got to go to work, 15 minutes, and you take those 15 minutes in the first five minutes, put this into practice. See, because here's what happens. What we don't realize is that oftentimes because we can't do the ideal, we never do anything. So, okay, so I can't do an hour. So because you can't do an hour, you don't do anything. 
But what if you started with five minutes? What if you started with five minutes? I started doing cold showers. I can't do five minutes cold showers. You know what I'm doing? Ten seconds. But, but the next time I went there, I did 20 seconds. And the third time I went, I did 20 seconds again because I wasn't ready. <laughs> but what am I doing? I'm little by little. A couple of weeks from now, I'll be like five-minute showers. No problem. Give me 30. Come on, somebody. So, 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 so what if you took five minutes and said, God, I'm going to devote these five minutes to just make more of who you are and just magnify your name. You know, oftentimes we use the term magnify God and you're like, what is, the, what is magnify God? How can you make God bigger? You're not making God bigger. You're just making God bigger in your life. So, so, so you now, you transition from adoration to agreement. He says this to his disciples. He says, this is how you pray. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And, and, and forgive us of our sins as we forgive everyone who is indebted to us. So I'm coming in agreement with who God says I am. Hey God, not my will be done in heaven, but your will in heaven be done on earth. Can I tell you something? Oftentimes we pray what our prayer life looks like. God, let my will be done in heaven. God is saying, imagine that you make much of me and then you become, you come into agreement with my will for your life. And you pray like Jesus, not my will, but your will be done. You say, God, I come in agreement with you. I don't feel righteous right now, but I know that my faith is not based on my feelings. My faith is based on your word. And so God, I come in agreement with you that I am the righteousness of God, that I am the head and not the tail, that I am above and not beneath, that I will be generous, that I will be set free, that I am everything your word says I am, that I am forgiven, therefore I can forgive. And the last one I want to give you is is you begin asking as the worship team comes up. Now this is, see there's room for asking church. There's room for it. I think it's, it's what Jesus said. He says, whatever you ask for in my name, where two or three are gathered, there I will be. And whatever you ask in my name according to my will, he goes, it will be granted to you. Can I tell you church? that God wants to hear your petitions. Can I just tell you that? God wants to hear your petitions. But here's what I wonder. I wonder, like sometimes I feel like I'm not getting the results in my prayer life. Sometimes I feel like that. Like why is it that I don't see any results in my prayer life? And this is what dawned on me. Could it be that God would allow us to keep praying until our heart is molded till we pray the right thing? You want to see 100% of your prayer requests be answered? Begin to pray according to God's will. You want to see 100% of your prayers being answered? Begin to, see oftentimes like God let your, God I want my will to be done. I want my will. But now watch this. But I wonder what it would look like. I wonder what you're asking would look like. Look at this arm. Two weeks straight. Come on somebody. Off the cast. Come on somebody. Sorry, touch my shoulder. I wonder what your asking would look like if it was shaped and molded by you making much of Jesus and you coming in agreement with who he says you are. I think that your asking would look differently. So, so the good thing about God is that you can come to God in prayer. You can come to God asking him anything, but you can also come to God making much of who he is. And, and I wonder if it looks something like this. God I, God, I thank you because you're faithful. Man, I'm just stressed because. But God, I thank you because you're faithful. I just had a fight with my wife. I just had an argument. It led to discussions. But God, you're amazing. 
God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. And you spend some time and your heart begins to be molded. And then you start saying, God, God, I thank you that I am the righteousness of God. Thank you that you've forgiven me. Thank you that, that I know I'm acting in a way I shouldn't be acting, but you don't see me by that way. And God, and now you want to you wanted to ask a petition, but before you could even get to the petition, the petition, you've already, your heart's already been transformed. Your heart's already been chained. And so now what comes out of your mouth is not what stems from the flesh, but what stems from the spirit of God that dwells on the inside of you. It's, it's asking according to the will of the Father. It's believing for what God is going to do. Because let me tell you, when you make much of who God is, what you're about to ask for, you'll have the faith and you'll possess the faith that it takes to ask for what you're about to ask for because you've already made much of who he is and you've already received all that he says that you are. So when you begin to ask, you don't begin to ask like a beggar. You don't say, God, please, if you could be God. Say, God, I thank you because I already got the house. I thank you that my marriage is already restored. I thank you that the finances are already there. I thank you that promotion is already there. I thank you, Lord God, because I'm believing and I'm declaring not according to my faithfulness, not according to my devotion, not according to who I am, but because of who you are and who you have declared me to be. If you believe that in this place, give God a shout in this room. If you ask according to his will, this is, this is my last thing and we're done. This wrecked me. It says, Matthew chapter 6, I saw these two verses and the Holy Spirit showed me something powerful. It says, don't be like them. Your father knows what you need even before you. So God, you know what I need before I ask. But then through the Holy Spirit in the writings of Paul, you say, pray about everything. That seems unnecessary. If you know what I'm going to ask, then why is it that you want me to pray about everything? Oh, because God is just looking for any excuse to connect with you. That's it. He's just looking for any excuse to connect with us. You know, you know what that feels like? You know what that feels like? Come on. For our single people, you'll start saying Happy Mother's Day to people that you don't even care about, but you might be interested in. You'll start responding to people's stories. Come on, somebody. Why? You just want to connect with them. You're looking for any excuse to slide in the DM. Come on, somebody. Oh, your hair looks magnificent today. You don't care about hair. Come on, somebody. Why, why? Because you're looking. So what is God saying? Hey, hey, you're a little stressed? That's okay. You can pray about that. You're a little stressed? That's okay. Connect with me about your stress. Oh, you're a little worried about the doctor report that you got? Connect with me about the doctor's report that you got. Oh, you're worried about your children not serving God? You're worried that your children, don't stop. I, I want you to keep asking me because I want to connect with you. And the more I connect with you, the more I transform your heart. And the more I transform your heart, the more my grace gets to flow through you. Not because you're good, because God's good. Not because you're faithful, but because God's faithful. See, your prayers are not powerful because you're powerful. Your prayers are powerful because God is powerful. Amen. But I don't know how to, I don't know how to pray. Like I just, I don't have the perfect, I hear Maylene and she's just like praying fire. I heard Lisa pray today for the mothers. And honestly, you guys were encouraged. I was discouraged because I was like, man, I can't pray a lick like that. But you know what God says? I'm not looking for a perfect prayer. Because that's her prayer to me. It doesn't matter what your prayer like is to me. Just come to me. See, your prayers don't have to be perfect because I already am, says the Lord. 
I'm going to ask you to get up on your feet today as we pray. Bring this to a close. What we do daily determines what we become permanently. I want you to take inventory of our lives and allow the Holy Spirit to examine us right now. Not in a condemning way, not in a kind of like sin-seeking kind of way, but in a way that says, I think that I haven't been opening the faucet to allow the grace of God to flow through me. And that's what God wants to do. He wants to bring, listen to me, I, I feel this prophetic word that God wants to release right now. That God wants to saturate Staten Island with his grace. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to be done through you, through you, through you, through you, through everyone in this house. It's not going to just be done through the pastors or through the leaders. It's going to be through every single person. Why? Because we don't need just a sprinkle. We don't just need a little bit of saturation. We need a complete submergence of God's grace. It's Staten Island, New York. So if you're in this place, you say, Pastor, can you pray for me? And maybe you're tuning in and you're saying, Pastor, I want to experience the grace of God. I want to experience the grace that saves, but also the grace that sanctifies. The grace that redeems, but the grace that transforms. If that's you in this place, can I pray for you? I just, all you're doing is say, Pastor, can you include me in your prayer? If that's you today, at the count of three, I want you to lift up your hands. One, Jesus loves you. Two, today's your day of salvation and breakthrough. Three, lift up your hand all over this room, wherever you are. If you're watching in online, lift up your hand. Come on. Come on, I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. You can put your hand right back down. Put it right back down. Come on, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord God. Because I believe that grace is being released in this room, oh God. I believe that we are embracing grace, not just as a redeemer, but as an instructor and as a trainer. So Lord, we receive your grace, Lord God, and we open up our hearts. We open up our, our the valve of our hearts and we say, do with us as you please, oh God. We don't want to practice prayer as a command. We want to practice prayer because we can't live without connection with the heavenly father. So Lord Jesus, would your Holy Spirit do the work in this house? Jesus name hey I just want to if, if you would like to place your faith in Jesus say this with me say dear Jesus I receive your love therefore I give you my life from this day forth I am a new creation thank you for your forgiveness of sins thank you for the new life that you've given me in Jesus name we pray amen and amen. Come on, can we celebrate every single life that may have said that? Listen, if you're watching online and you gave your life to Jesus or you need prayer, just type in, say prayer. Just type in the comments, prayer, prayer, prayer. Come on, let's celebrate Jesus. I'm going to ask you to come join me in the, in the front as we begin.